So I started last week about how do we not be a selfish church, but how do we become a selfless church? Amen. Last week I talked about boldness, that we need to be bold in everything that we do and everything we say. Right now is not a time to shrink back. Amen. Right now is not a time to shrink back. Right now is not a time to go say, I'm going to go sit on the sidelines. Right now is not a time to say, you know what? There's plenty of people at church can do all the work. I'm just going to sit down. I'm just going to be comfortable because surely God would want me to be comfortable. Surely God would want me to take it easy. Surely God would just want me to have an easy, easy life. Got a low ring there. Surely, there it is again. (laughs) The devil does not want me to get anything out this morning, amen, because we've been having difficulty, technical difficulty from uh, the minute that we started. And guess what? Rehearsal went absolutely perfect, didn't it? Amen. That's when you know you're in trouble. Amen. When, uh, When the rehearsal goes great. Is everything else muted? Okay. I just got that low ring there. All right. You got it. My man, Matthew. Give Matthew a big hand. Amen. Got to have somebody take care of the problems. Amen. All right. Just cut all the low end out if you have to, brother. I can, I can yell if I need to. Amen. Uh, all right. How to be a selfless church. And what I want to talk about today is I'm going to take a little bit of last week. We need to be bold. Now is not the time to shrink back. We kind of think, well, you know, COVID is going on. Everybody's got a quarantine. Look at all the holes that have to be filled. And listen, if we ever needed people to step up to the plate and be bold and say, I'm not shrinking back, I'm stepping forward, and I'm going to be bold, it is right now. Amen. I believe the church is on the edge of seeing a great revival. And it may, that may mean that things have to get harder before they get easier. Can I get an amen? And so we may need to understand that this may be God's will. God's will may be that it gets a little tougher, not easier, so that the church will rise up. Every time there's been persecution in the church, the church has risen up, and there has been a great move of God. Amen? And so we need to understand that uh, God's will uh, is not for you to have an easy life. I have people come to me all the time and say, well, you know, I'm just not happy. And you know what? That's not even, God's will is not necessarily that you be happy all the time. Do you think the disciples uh, who died, most of them died for their faith? Do you think that their life was all about comfort and ease? No. Do you think that Jesus Christ, who had to come and die a horrible death and hang on a cross, do you think his life was all about being easy? No. You see, Jesus didn't call you and me to easy. He called you and me to live a life that glorifies him. Amen. And that means sometimes it's going to get harder, and sometimes it's going to get tougher. Amen. But what I want to talk to you today about is do the work and be grateful in the present. All right? Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, many of us, myself included in my younger days, I used to always be living in the future. I used to always be thinking what the next best thing was. Now, I think this is a common problem with young people, Brother Jimmy. I think, uh, I think you get a little older and you begin to understand that, you know what, I need to be present right now because there are things going on in my life right now that if I don't pay attention to them, they're going to go by and I'm going to completely miss them. So we need to learn to be grateful in the present. Uh, in my younger days, I always wanted to think, boy, you know, when I was a single man, I was praying for a righteous fox. There she is, right there. Amen. Y'all didn't laugh. I'm, I'm giving you some dad jokes. Amen. 
I said, when I was single, I was praying for a righteous fox, and there she is. Amen. Ha, ha. You're a little late on that, Chris. Amen. All right. So I, when, I was, uh, when I was 18, 19, we got married pretty, we got 22. When I was 18, we started dating when I was 18, so I'll back it up. When I was 17, I was praying for a righteous fox. I thought, Lord, my world will be complete. If you'll just send me a righteous fox, uh, man, my life will be complete. I'll never ask for another thing. Guess what? God sends me the righteous fox. We get married. She is foolish enough to marry me and say yes. Amen. And so uh, we begin our life together, and it's like, uh, we're living and enjoying that time together. But, you know, I don't take the time to enjoy it. I'm, I tend to think ahead. And then I think, well, you know, one day we'll have kids. And we have kids and our little family will be complete. And then I'll be satisfied. I'll be happy. Everything will be fine. With the day we have kids. Well, guess what? We popped Matthew out. When Matthew was four months old, we found out we were pregnant with Joshua. Amen. Uh, and uh, we said, okay, Lord, you can stop now. Amen. And so we had Matthew and Joshua very, very quick. And then we saved the best for last, faith. Amen. And uh, amen. Yes. All right. So uh, then our little family was complete. And at that time, I was in full-time ministry here at Landmark Baptist Church back in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, we had the kids kind of in the 90s there. So, man, things were going good. The church grew. Uh, I was able to do ministry full-time. And, you know, you would think that'd be enough, right? No. You know what I've discovered, especially as you're younger? It's never enough. And you're never satisfied. And that's okay sometimes because you want to have goals and you want to have goals down the road. But guess what? You may not get tomorrow. There are many verses in the Bible that say, don't worry about tomorrow because you may not get tomorrow. Our days are numbered. The Bible literally says our days are like vapor. They're here and they're gone. Amen. So we need to learn to live in the present. I think we all struggle with this, don't you? I have a hard time being in the present. I'm always thinking down the road. I'm always thinking, Lord, if you just give me a little bit nicer house, I need a little more square footage. Uh, or, Lord, if you just give me the next rung on the ladder at my job, I'll be happy. Or, Lord, if you would just increase my income just this much, then I'll be happy. It's ne what am I telling you? With human nature, it's never enough. We never seem to want to just live and enjoy in the present. But guess what? The joy is in the journey. The joy is in the present. Don't be so heavenly-minded and so future-minded that you can't enjoy the here and now. Because guess what? God's will is what's going on in your life right now. God's will is not what's going to go on five years from now. In ministry, I used to think that way. Oh, man. Church is good now, but guess what? We're going to be running double this in five years. And it was always, it was always looking down the road. And so that you couldn't stop and smell the roses right now because I was too busy thinking about the future. All right? And I, I'm going to say this as an old man, as a warning to you younger people. Take the time to appreciate where you're at. Amen? Because it will go quickly. Can I get an amen, older folks? It will go quickly. If your kids are small right now, try to stop and enjoy it. I know it's hectic. I know you feel like you just fall into bed exhausted every night. But enjoy those kids while they're young because one day they won't be young anymore and you'll be wishing they were. Amen. And then they'll get to be teenagers. Oh, dear God. Amen. And then you'll have to go, Lord, I sure wish they were toddlers again. Amen. But guess what? 
enjoy while they're teenagers because that's another chapter and uh, you will learn a lot of patience at that point. Amen. So God will be teaching you something. But you need to understand, live in the present. My kids are now, let's see if I get it right now, 30, 29, and 25. And it's hard to believe, but some days I wish they were teenagers again. I, I, question, my, I question my own sanity in that, amen? Uh, but some days I long for those days. I long for the days that they were teenagers, amen? So in other words, there will be a day that you will wish, as crazy as that part of your life seemed, there will be a day you wished for it, amen? And so what am I saying? Take the time to live in the present. So much of life, we are under the illusion that there's something around the corner that's going to make a big difference in our life. Like I said, if I could just get that promotion at work, Lord, I'd be happy. Or if I could just get a little bit bigger house, Lord, I'd be happy. Or if I could drive just a little bit nicer car. You know, back in the, uh, in the 80s when I first started driving, I had a car that I had a window that if I wanted the window to go down, I did this. And I thought, dear God, if I can ever just get a window where all I got to do is that. Man, I'm going to be happy. I will be complete. Lord, I'll never ask. For then I got a window that all I had to do was that. Guess what it did? It fell off the track. Amen. And then I couldn't get it back up and it would start raining. Amen. And then I wished I had one of these again. Amen. It's never enough. We cannot live in the present. Listen, everybody of us, we need to be like the Apostle Paul. I have learned to be content in all things. Amen. I've, I've been without. I've had the crank window, and I've had the power window, and I've learned to be happy wherever I am. Amen. Some days you got the power window, and it even works like it should. Some days you got the crank window, and that's okay too. Amen. So just learn. Like the Apostle Paul, I believe he found the key to life, and that is this. Learn to be happy wherever you're at, and learn to live and be present in the moment, all right? And to be grateful as we're coming up to Thanksgiving, learn to be grateful. Listen, it's, it's very tempting for all of us in this room to wake up in the morning and go, I hate this house. I hate this bed. Maybe even look over and say, I hate that person. I hate my life. You ever seen anybody say that? I hate my life. Don't ever be that person. That's a sad, sad statement. Don't ever be that person. You are blessed. I'm looking at all of you. I'm pointing at all of you right now. Amen. You are blessed. Well, Brother Mark, how do you know I'm blessed? You live in the United States of America. Just that one thing alone, you're blessed. Amen. You are already in the top echelon of money makers and providers and uh, you, most of you drove a car here. I hope you did. I don't see no horses out there. You drove a car here. You had a roof over your head. You had a bed you slept in last night. You are blessed. Amen. It's easy for us to always want more, though. Always say it's not enough. I want more. Don't be that negative person. Don't be that person that says, God ain't never done nothing for me. I'm not blessed. I hate my life. Don't ever be that person. Amen. Um, I think something's always going to bring me the fulfillment I've been craving. Uh, when I'm out of school, I'll be happy. When I get married, I'll be happy. When I have kids, I'll be happy. When I make more money, I'll be happy. When I get a better job, I'll be happy. When I retire one day, I'll be happy. And then you look up and you go, before I die, I sure hope I get happy. And guess what? You die and it's over. 
that person that just lived that kind of life, they get to the end of their life and they realize, I was always hoping for more and I didn't even enjoy my life because I was always wanting more. Amen? And guess what? Life is too short. You're going to look up one day and your days will be numbered, your days will be over, and there won't be any time to be happy anymore. So why not just turn it around and be happy right now? Why not just turn it around and be happy in the moment, all right? Okay, um, let's see. Uh, give me the first scripture there, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And this is just kind of a life verse that we all need to have. Therefore, whether you eat or drink coffee, if you do well, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, what is that verse saying? That in every single thing you do, even when you eat or drink, I hope that every person in here, if you're a Christian, I hope you're not a heathen, and I hope you pray over your meal. Because guess what? Somebody had to put in the work for that meal to be on your table. Amen? And you need to learn to be thankful for that food that sits on your table. Ain't nothing wrong with thanking the farmers that grew the food. Ain't nothing wrong with thanking the people at the grocery store for providing it so you could buy it. Ain't nothing wrong with thanking the, uh, the person in your home who cooked it and prepared it. Uh, we need to learn to be thankful. So whatever you do, you eat or drink. And then it says whatever you do. Now what is that? That means your job. That means your activities. That means whatever you do during the day, you are to do it all as to the glory of God. Amen? So have you ever looked at your job as your mission field? It should be. Your job should be your mission field. Your school, students, should be your mission field. Uh, your neighborhood should be your mission field. God planted you in those places for a reason. And you may think, well, it was just all by chance. No, God has a very specific purpose and a very specific plan. Amen. So understand that God put me here for a reason. God put me in this job. You may say, well, I hate my job. Well, you need to turn your attitude around. Amen. As Brother Mike would say, get rid of your stinking thinking. Amen. And uh, understand that whether I like this job or not, God has placed me here for such a time as this, and I need to be a positive influence. If, are you the person at work that when you walk in every Monday morning, everybody goes, oh, God, here they come. Here comes Mr. Negativity. Here comes Mrs. Debbie Downer. Here comes, here comes the one who just ruins that just everything's going to be wrong with everything. Anybody here work with somebody like that? Or maybe you are somebody like that, amen? But we don't need to be that person, amen? Uh, there's enough of that without us helping that along. Don't be the person that everybody says, oh gosh, here they come, and it's going to be everything that's wrong with the world, amen? Be the person that says, oh, here comes Mark again. He's just so full of sunshine. I just love being around him. Amen. <laughs> he just is so sweet. Honey drips from his lips. Amen. Uh, be that person. All right. That ain't me. I know. I wish that's what it was. Uh, put up the next slide. What if the work is the reward? Number two. What if the prize is in the process? And number three. What if you could be grateful in the grind? Now, see, you have a choice. All of us, uh, if you have a job, uh, all of us that have a job, you're going to get up tomorrow morning and you're going to go to that job. And you have a choice when you go to that job tomorrow what your attitude is going to be about it. Now, Mondays, let's face it, we all probably love Mondays, amen. You've got to get yourself geared up again. But guess what? 
it's all up to you how you see that week. It's all up to you about your attitude towards that week. And you may say, well, Mark, again, I hate my job. Well, that's okay. Make the best of the situation you're in. It, go and look for a better job if you need another job. But in the meantime, understand the work you're in right now could be the reward. You need to learn to be grateful in the grind of what you're doing right now. Now, am I saying if you got a terrible job or you got a terrible boss, you shouldn't go look for another job? No, by all means, go do that. Don't be miserable. But at the same time, until God gives you that new one, understand this is my mission field. This is where God has called me, and I need to be a positive, godly influence right here where God planted me. Amen? So we need to understand that, all right? The work is the reward, the prize is in the process, and to be grateful in the grind. Next scripture is also from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 9 and 10, all right? It says for, this is Paul speaking. He says, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle uh, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Now, Paul sounds a little egotistical there, doesn't he? I worked harder than all of them. Now, was Paul trying to be egotistical? No. Paul was basically saying, in the, in the first verse, he was saying, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I actually persecuted the church. People who took on the name of Christ and the name of Christian uh, were killed because of me. And so I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. But then he turns it around in verse 10 and says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I can't deny the past. I can't go back and change the past. I can only try to be better in the present and the future. And he says this, I did everything I could to try and make up for it. And he even gets a little egotistical and says, I worked harder than it. Basically, he just said, I worked harder than anybody. When other people went home and went to bed at night, I stayed up and studied more, and I shared the gospel more, and I was put in prison, and I was beaten half to death, and I went and I tried to do more than anybody could do. But guess what? It was by the grace of God because I am what I am, and I can't change that. I want you to say this. I am what I am. Say it. I am what I am. Every good thing, every bad thing. You, you can stop repeating now. Uh, every good thing and every bad thing in your life, it's there for a reason and a purpose. Now, we all have stuff in our past that we're not proud of. But guess what? Like Paul said, I am what I am. And all of it is a part of me. Even the bad stuff in your life, God can choose and turn it around for good. Your greatest weakness could become your greatest ministry. If you struggled with drugs and alcohol, then guess what? God's going to use you to help somebody else who's struggling with drugs and alcohol. If you are struggling, uh, you know, if you've struggled with depression and, uh, and all those things, then you can help somebody else who's struggling. Because I can tell you, when somebody's struggling, they want to hear from somebody who's walked that road. They don't want to hear from somebody who hadn't walked that road. So guess what? You can take your greatest pain from your past and make it your greatest ministry. Amen? And so I want you to learn to do that, all right? Um, when Paul said, I've worked harder than all of them, he meant this. When I went to prison, uh, I didn't say, when I get out of prison, I'm going to do something. Guess what? He wrote letters from in prison. A lot of his letters to the churches were written while he was sitting in prison. Uh, when he was shipwrecked, he didn't forget about God. And when Barnabas left him, uh, he didn't have time to be better. He just kept going. You know what happens when somebody leaves the church, what the preacher does? 
he just keeps on trucking. Even when somebody very close to him leaves. Listen, preachers are no different than you. You ever had that friend you thought was your best friend? And then one day it felt like you turned around, they'd stabbed you in the back. And that person you thought would always be there is now gone and is not there. It happens to everybody. But guess what? You just got to keep going. It's not time to say, I quit. It's not time to say, well, God, I don't know what you're doing. It's time to just lean into God and say, God, I don't understand. But guess what? I got to keep going. Why? Because God called me to be faithful. What Paul, what Paul was saying, Barnabas left me high and dry. And you know what I had to do? I had to suck it up and get over it. And I had to keep on going. Guess what? It's going to happen. If you put your trust in me, I'm going to let you down. Look to your left and your right. You put your trust in these people, they're going to let you down because we're just flesh and blood. We're just people. Amen? That's why I always tell you, don't look at me. Don't keep your eyes on me. You keep your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus because he's the only one that we can count on, all right? And so that's what Paul did. He said, people have left me. People have said they were going to do something, said they were going to be with me, and they left. And I just had to keep going, all right? So my, my advice to you today is God's called you to something. Get over it. Get over it. Keep going. Press in harder and work harder. Amen. Again, things are tough right now. You may say, well, I, I, don't, even, I don't even want to go to church. I don't even want to go out of my house. I'm so scared. There's so much fear. I might get this uh, virus and... It's like nobody can tell me exactly what it's going to do to my body in particular. And so, listen, you can be on total lockdown. But I'm here to tell you, God has called us to move forward. Amen. God has called it not to stop and sit down and all of us to become hermits in our home. God has called us to rise up and be bold. Amen. Now, listen, I'm not saying if your immune system is compromised and you're feeling sick, I'm not telling you to come down here. But I am telling you, you've got to stay connected. That's why we are filming all these every week and people are watching them online if they're not able to be with us physically because you can't just lay down and stop. Amen. Even if you're sick at home. You know what I've discovered? People get sick sometimes. They say, well, I I can't really do nothing for God. I'm in a nursing home or I'm in a hospital bed. Guess what? You know what? You can become the greatest prayer warrior ever known to man sitting on your back in a hospital bed. You are not done until your last breath is over. Amen. And God has called all of us to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. So during this time, I'm begging you, I'm imploring you, I'm telling you, don't leave, don't sit on the sideline, be ready to step up to the plate, all right? I'm going to give you these uh, three things, three enemies of the true reward, and then we're going to go home, all right? I'm going to give you three things, and I'm going to use a, 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 a picture example, all right? The three enemies of the true reward. Number one is, hit it, uh-oh, the devil does not want it to happen today, amen? All right, I'm going to give them to you. Maybe they'll get up there. The three enemies of the true war. Number one is the pillow. How many of you love your pillow? Man, I love my pillow. I love sleep. Amen. I don't have no trouble doing it. I know some people say, I only sleep three or four hours a night. I'm like, you have lost your mind. Amen. You're crazy. Why would you do that? Amen. Uh, Man, I love sleep. I love the comfort of my pillow. So the pillow represents the seduction of comfort. God wants me to be comfortable. Surely God wants me to have a better house, a better car, 
Surely God wants me to have, make more money. Uh, surely God never called me to be to easy, uh, or God never called me to easy. He called you to deny yourself and take up a cross. Now, here's the thing you've got to understand. Easy will never change the world. If your life is easy and you're always comfortable, you're never going to do nothing for God. Sometimes you've got to have a little bit of hard time to motivate you to go change the world. Amen. If you get everything you want, if everything is easy, then you will never do anything for God. Do you know when I've learned the most and when I've risen up and learned to do the most was during the mistakes I've made and during the hard times and the times that I botched it and blundered it and blew it. Amen. Those are the greatest lessons I've learned. Why? Because I blew it so bad, it's etched in my memory. Amen. And I know I ain't going to do that again. Amen. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to make that mistake again. And so you learn the most sometimes from the hard thing. Well, God, I didn't like that. That made me look bad. I didn't like failing. Uh, I like succeeding. Well, guess what? We all do. Amen. But guess what? You learn more from your failures and you learn how to be a better person. You learn how to be a better Christian. You learn next time, I'm going to know how to do this better. Amen? So you've got to learn to understand. So don't be uh, seduced by the pillow, all right? Number two thing, distraction from the true reward, is the shiny thing. Anybody here like shiny things? Do you like ju women? Do you like jewelry? Oh, yeah, women love jewelry. And, uh, and men, before you think you've gotten out of this one, how many of you like that shiny new boat or that shiny new truck? Amen. It's the shiny thing. We love the shiny things. We are seduced by the shiny things. Well, I know I really can't afford that, uh, uh, that Ford F-350. Uh, I don't know nothing about cars. I'm thinking, is there a 350? Okay, there's an F-350. That's the biggest one, isn't it? Yeah. That brand new F-350 uh, King Cab with all the bells and whistles. I know I can't afford it, but Lord, I sure do want it. It sure do look pretty. Amen. And we are seduced by the shiny. We get ourselves in trouble by being seduced by the shiny thing, don't we? Because we buy things we can't afford. We uh, Listen, they will loan you money out the wazoo that you really can't pay back. And they're more than happy to do it. Amen. So, we need to understand. We live in a culture where we put everything on credit. Listen, stop it. Stop it. If you're living on credit, stop it. Amen. If you can't. If you can't pay cash for it, you probably don't need it, and you probably can't afford it. Amen? That's that soapbox. All right, I'll get off of that one. The shiny thing, the allure of constant distractions. Listen, most of us in here, you will have death by comparison. If you keep comparing yourself to your neighbors, you're always going to be dissatisfied. The grass is always greener on the other side. You ever heard that? But I love the other part of that. The grass is always greener on the other side because there's a septic tank over there. Amen? It's very deceiving, and it's greener for a reason, and you're going to step off in some bad stuff, all right? So we need to understand. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little crude there, all right? But you, I'm trying to be real with you, all right? So don't play the comparison game. Uh, believe me, the Joneses don't have it near as good as what they look like they got it. They may drive a nice big car. They may have a nice big house, but they also got debt up to their eyeballs that they really can't afford. Amen? Number three is the towel, the perpetual temptation to throw in the towel. Now, that's a boxing term. You ever seen boxing? And if one boxer, if in his corner 
he's getting beat half to death, and it looks like he cannot continue on, what will his corner man do? He will throw in the towel. And that's the indication, fight's over, I quit. And it's very tempting in life to just say, I quit. God, I quit. God, living for you, it's too hard. I quit. Lord, this marriage thing, it's too hard. I quit. Lord, this raising kids, I didn't sign up for this. Just let them do whatever they want to do. I quit. I ain't trying no more. I quit. It's very tempting to say I quit. Do you know how many Mondays I want to say, Lord, I quit the church. That's too hard. Them people are stubborn, mule-headed people down there. Amen. Just about near every one of them. Amen. But I don't because I know by late Monday evening, God's convinced me again, this is what I've called you to do. Now quit your whining, quit your belly aching, and just get up and go do it again next week. Amen. That's what God has called us to do. Amen. We all are tempted to quit. The easy thing would be to quit. It's easier to just quit on your marriage. It's easier to just quit on your kids. It's easier to just quit on trying to live for God. But don't you dare, don't you dare throw in the towel. Here's what will lead you to I want to quit. They don't appreciate me. Now listen, we all like to wear our our feelings right out here, don't we? And if you want to get your feelings hurt, you're going to get your feelings hurt. Because if you're always wearing your feelings out here on your shoulder, I can guarantee you somebody's going to offend you at some point. All right? But it's very tempting to say, people just don't appreciate me. But sometimes, and listen, everybody wants to be appreciated. I'm not saying we shouldn't appreciate people. But sometimes you got to just say, you know what? I'm not doing it for the pat on the back. I'm doing it because the Lord told me to do it. Those people back there changing dirty baby diapers right now, they're not doing it because you're going to go pat them on the back after this is over. They're doing it because they're serving those children so you can be out here. Amen. Those people loving on those children back there that are not their own children, they are doing it because they feel God has called. They're not doing it for the pat on the back. Amen. All of these musicians up here spent time practicing and coming early this morning. And Brother Steve uh, helping us on drums. Brother Jordan helping us on guitar. Give them a big hand for helping us this morning. Amen. Brother Chris, always here. Uh, Miss Julie, she does pretty good too. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, uh, you know, put in that, ex- Brother Kelly, I almost forgot you. Uh, but, you know, here's the thing. Uh, they don't do it for the pat on the back. They do it because it's their service to the Lord. Amen. So you've got to, sometimes, yes, we all want to be appreciated. But if all you're ever doing it for is the pat on the back or for somebody to stroke you, you're always going to be disappointed. Amen. You do what God's called you to do, and that should be enough. Amen. All right. They don't appreciate me. I'm really not making that much of a difference. You're always making a difference. Some Sundays I go home and I think, boy, I really blew that. Nobody got saved. I don't know if anybody really got anything out of it. There's a lot of times I go home and do that. Amen. Every preacher in here knows that feeling. But I'm here to tell you, it doesn't really matter. You may think you're not making that much of a difference. And invariably, some of those Sunday afternoons when I go home, somebody will send me a little text. And God knows when I need it. And somebody will just say, hey, that really spoke to me today. On the day when you thought you did your worst and nobody got nothing out of it, sometimes God sends that little text right when you need it. Amen. And that's all you need. Because God has called me to be faithful. He didn't say I was going to see people running down the aisle every week. 
He didn't say tons of people were going to get saved every week. He just said, be faithful. What I called you to do, go do it. Don't gripe, don't complain. Just go do the work. All right? And then the last one, this is just too hard. This is the one I hear the most. It's too hard. I would agree with you, but I would say the alternative is not worth it. You living a life that has no purpose, you living a life where it's just all about you and your selfishness, and all you do is go to work and make money and pay your taxes and die, you're going to get to the end of that life, and it's not going to seem very nice. You're, a life without purpose is a life without passion. Amen. So you need a passion. You need a purpose. Amen. Miss Cheryl back there, I'm just looking at her. She drives that bus every Wednesday night to go pick up those kids, and I know them kids drive her nuts. Amen. Uh, but she does it so that those kids can come and can hear about Jesus Christ. Amen. And those kids have come and got saved. Now, they still act like the devil sometimes, but they come and they get saved, and it makes a difference. Even when you're questioning, does it make a difference? It does. And I have told the Lord, Lord, if I do this till I die and only one person gets their life changed, then it was worth it. Even if it's just one. If it's only one, how can you put a price tag on one life changed? You can't. Amen. So I would tell everybody in this room, what you do makes a difference. If you're only making a difference in one life, it makes a difference. And is it hard? Yes, but it's worth it. Living for the Lord far outweighs and far beats living for yourself. Because you're going to get to the end of your life if you live for yourself, and it's going to seem like an empty existence. All right? You can throw in the towel, or you can use the towel to wipe the sweat off your face as you get the work done. Mm, that's a good statement, isn't it? Did you catch that? You can either throw in the towel or you can use that towel to wipe the sweat off your face as you go and get the work done. That's what we need to do. Amen. Uh, instead of pursuing your selfishness, pursue God's purpose. All right. Uh, and let's read the last scripture. Acts 20, 24 it says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I wanted to end by telling you a story about my friend, and I'm going to try to do this without crying, um, my friend Bob White. And we just went to his funeral. Bob, perfectly healthy man. Again, so much of this COVID thing we don't understand. He caught COVID, and he immediately went on a respirator, and then he, in the process, ended up having uh, five heart attacks, three strokes. His lung collapsed. It's just like everything went wrong that could go wrong. He's 66 years old, but perfectly, in fact, he was supposed to ride in a 300-mile bike race the next week. And uh, he lasted for about a month. And then they took him off, and he died. Bob was in Longview at the time. I was over there serving at a church over there, and Bob served Macedonia Baptist Church. I think they said 37 years, 37 years he gave of himself. Then he retired. You know what he did in his retirement? He didn't just throw in a towel, didn't quit. His daughter was a worship leader at another church, and she has a severely autistic teenage son. And so Bob said, you know what? It's just as much to God's glory for me to go spend time with that autistic son so that you can go and you and your husband can go and lead worship. And so he would spend every Sunday uh, in the 
on the front row or the second row watching that boy wrapping his arms around him so he could try to be in the worship service so mom and dad could lead worship. And that's what he did with the remainder of his life. And uh, Bob was a runner. And so at the funeral, they had a picture of Bob, and it was blown up, and it was him running in his last race, and he's crossing the finish line. And they had that scripture on there, for I have run the race. I have fought the fight. Amen. And Bob did it for 37 years. And I want to tell you, he gave his life to serve the Lord. And Bob was my friend, but I want to tell you, it inspired me. You just go until you can't go. Did Bob think his time was up? I'm sure he had no idea before that happened. But guess what? You never know. And what I got from Bob is every day could be your last. Live it as if it is your last. Live in the moment. Live in the present. And do everything in your power to give glory to God. Amen. Run the race well so that when you cross that finish line, we can all hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. Put the last slide up there. And Julie, you can go ahead and come. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. If you're raising kids, do it for the glory of God. If you're caring for aging parents, do it all for the glory of God. If you're fighting for your marriage, do it all for the glory of God. If you're opening up your home uh, to, uh, to someone who needs it, uh, then do it for the glory of God. If you're taking someone to eat, uh, do it all for the glory of God. If you just want to bless somebody, do it for the glory of God. All right? And the very last slide is this. Serving isn't what, I, what you do. It's who I am. I made reference to this at the beginning, uh, or maybe it was in Sunday school. Does a servant or a slave have any rights in the home? They do not. A servant or a slave, when the master asks them to do something, they don't question the master. They just say, how high, and when do you want me to do it, and where do you want me to do it? All right? And guess what? The terminology used for you and I, more than anything, Yes, we are sons and daughters of the king. Yes, we are saved by the grace of God, and he's our daddy, and we're his child. But guess what? It also uses the analogy that we are servants and slaves to our Lord and our master. And that means we don't get to question him. We don't get to tell him, well, this is too hard, daddy, or I don't like this, or this, I don't really like doing it this way. I think my way would be better. No. You're a servant and a slave, and it is who you are. It's who God called you to be. It's who God called me to be. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? You're here this morning, and you would say, Mark, I'm not sure what my relationship with the Lord is. I always want to give you an opportunity to get things right with the Lord. And so you're here this morning, and you say, Mark, I'm just not sure, or maybe you know I've run away from the Lord. I'm far away from him the good news is he's always waiting with his arms wide open and so he is as close as a prayer away and I would ask you this morning if that's you this morning just surrender yourself to the Lord and pray this prayer in your heart and your mind say dear Jesus I admit that I'm a sinner and I need you and dear Jesus I believe that you died on that cross for my sins so, Lord, right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. and Wash me of my sins in the blood of Jesus. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, everybody's head still bowed. I just want to be able to pray for you. 
if you prayed that prayer today for the first time or the second time, would you just lift up a hand and let me know? Anyone? Anyone? All right. By that testimony, everybody in this room knows the Lord and is living for the Lord. How many of you would say today, Brother Mark, I need to learn to be more present in the moment, and I need to learn to be grateful and thankful for what's going on right now. Quit looking down the road. Would you pray for me? Would you just lift up a hand? Amen. Hands all over the auditorium. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us like you do. And, uh, Lord, I want to pray for everybody just raise their hand. God, help us to learn to live in the moment, to enjoy the journey, to stop and smell the roses. And, Lord, help us to quit always living in the future so much that we can't even enjoy the present, Lord. And, Lord, it's called the present for a reason because it's a gift from you. So may we just learn to live and enjoy the work, enjoy the process. And, uh, Lord, see our work and our job and our school and our neighborhood as our mission field. And we just ask you to let our lives glorify you and honor you in everything we do. In Jesus' name, and everybody said.